He died for you. He died for me. From our sin, He set us free. He loved us so. His life He gave. So if we ask, we can be. Hello, I'm Rick Hurtless, founder of His Gospel Power. Thank you for joining with our program once again today. And we are still in the book of 1 Peter, the fourth chapter. We're on the seventh verse. And just as we have all been saying for all of this time, and in fact it's been saying for 2,000 years, and here's proof. The end of all things is near. Okay, I guess we can just fold it up and go home. Uh, It's been being said for 2,000 years, so what makes me think it's any closer? Well, number one, it's for sure 2,000 years closer, (laughs) right? So we're we're getting way closer because it's 2,000 years closer for sure, but the Bible, we've already talked about Matthew 24. We really started all of this with Matthew 24 so that we could see how we would know that the end of all things is near, so that we would know that we are actually in the last days that is being spoken of here by the apostles, by the prophets, that we are in those last days. The end of all things is near, Peter says. Now, of course, near to God, 2,000 years is near. But think about now, I believe we're talking about three, four, five, maybe 10 years, I think, at the outside, unless there's a major repentance done by not only America, but by the entire world. So, I think that the odds of that, especially according to the Bible, are just about nothing because according to the Word of God, it's going to get worse and worse and worse until finally God says that is going to be the end, that's enough, we're going to uh, go ahead and, and, and end the world as we know it and so we can remove sin and so that we might be able to live in, uh, in eternity in heaven with God without sin. So this verse continues. It starts, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. There are so many that I have heard and have talked to that they are afraid. Most I've talked to say they are fearful, but they also understand these days must happen, and so they're not the kind of fear that's making them out of their mind. However, there are some that I've talked to that call themselves Christians that are just totally, absolutely afraid. Because they do not understand what is going on. If you don't understand what's going on today, then you need to get more into the Word of God, get more into prayer, get and begin to listen more. And I think that's what this verse is trying to tell us. Therefore, be clear-minded. In other words, keep your eyes open. Keep looking around. Keep listening to, to all kinds of information. Be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. So why do you want to pray? So you can hear it from the source. That's why. You want to pray so you can be in tune with God so that he will speak directly to you so that when things begin to happen, it will not be a surprise to you. You will be ready for it because God has told you that it is going to happen. Or he will tell you that what is happening is his will or against his will so that you can be prepared, so that you can absolutely do what God would have you to do. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded 
and self-controlled. Remember, in the book of Romans, it tells us to renew our mind. It tells us to to make sure, in the book of 12, let me just read it to you, in the book of Romans uh, 12, verse 2, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. So that's why you want to be clear-minded and you want to pray because you're going to want to know his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You will be able to know things that no one else knows because you will be hearing them straight from God himself because he will reveal them to you. He will reveal what is truth. He'll reveal what is a lie because he will be, you are praying and he will speak directly to you. You will not have to listen to the news. You won't have to listen to anything other than the Holy Spirit who is talking to you. And in fact, once again, I'm going to say, seeing how we're at this juncture, I want to remind you, don't take anything I say at face, at face value. Go from the word of God. Read it for yourself. Don't just listen to this. Go to First Peter and read it yourself. Go to the Bible. Go to Romans and read it yourself. Study this word so that you will know that you're approved. When you stand before God, if you say, Rick Hurtless told me this, and he says, well, that was wrong, guess what? I'm going to have to pay for that, but so will you. Why? Because you did not study it yourself. You did, you have access to it and did not listen to God. You decided to listen to what Rick Hurtless said. And if I'm taking you down the wrong road, then you will not have legs to stand on just because I told you. You will, you will have to, to still answer to God yourself. Now, prayerfully, I'm not leading you down any wrong roads, but anything that I have told you over these years, uh, as I speak, that are not lining up with the word of God, God will chastise me for that and I will have to answer for that. But if you have not studied it yourself and worked it out yourself, you will have to answer it for it as well because you've taken my word at face value instead of the word of God at his face value. So make sure that you are clear-minded and self-controlled. Brother Ron Stoidel is in the studio with me. Brother Ron, be clear-minded. Are you clear-minded? Most of the time. <laughs> there are all those times where I, I occasionally listen to the voices in my head and they lead me astray. But <laughs> other than that, I'm good to go, Pastor. Uh, that's a good thing. <laughs> yes. Well, and I was taking notes this whole time you were talking at the beginning of this program. And there are some things that I, I like to do that I want to let people do that might help them while they're praying or reading the Scripture. It's something that I do. I pray while I read the Scripture. I can't tell you how many times that while preparing for this program or for other teachings that I do that I'm looking for a topic. So I'm looking up verses that that scripture has on that topic, but I pray while I'm looking for those scriptures and it is amazing how God puts scriptures in front of me that I wasn't even looking for. Like I, sometimes I'll I'll look for a list off a topic. Like the last one I did was talking about the blessings of children. And so I was, I was looking at scriptures and reading some and just out of the blue, first Samuel came to me. And I, I know the story of Samuel and how he was given over by his mother to, for, to, for God's work. But I had forgotten about the story about how Hannah was blessed and she was given multiple children as a result. 
So it's just amazing how when I'm I'm reading the scriptures and praying for God to give me insight into scriptures, how he'll just he'll present his word to me to fit into what I need perfectly when I didn't even know that I was looking for it. So prayer in conjunction with reading the word just makes it that much more powerful and helps us in our spiritual walk that much and I'm going to say that much quicker because you could pray about something or you could read the word but when you combine those two it's amazing how the power of God reveals himself to us and as we as we study what God has to tell us that once again dig deep into his word don't just study the uh, the don't just skim over it and get the superfluous knowledge get deep into his word you know it's good to read the entire if you're going to read a letter for example if you're going to read first peter it's good to read the thing in its entirety maybe once or twice even but then as you study it then you get down into each verse and you begin to study each word which is what we we seek to do on this program even though there's so much more depth than what we reach into this program that you can pull yourself by doing a word study or by doing whatever, that as you continue to study the word, that you get even more and more and more out of it. As we continue in this verse, it says, Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. And and really the word that he's using here is agape, agape love, and it's a feminine noun. I want you to recognize that. That's a feminine noun, agape love. What what in the world is, why is that a feminine noun? It's a nurturing type of a love. It's a deep love. You know, men, if you're listening to this, I think most men would agree that the love men have is absolutely totally, than, totally different than what the love women have. Women have a deeper, nurturing love. They seem to, to be able to... My wife is constantly telling me, you know, I feel like we ought to do this uh, so that we can make someone feel better about something. That, we can, that you should be doing this because it will make them feel better. Well, see, it's on a different level. That love is on a different level than me. My love, uh, in a lot of ways, the love I have is almost a skimming at the top where hers is nurturing and it digs way down deep, whereas mine is still real love. It's not, it's, but it's different because, because I'm a man and a woman. God tells us basically because agape love is a feminine noun to me is like do that deep down, that nurturing love that, that you have to, you can only do by the spirit. Men, you can only do by the spirit and maybe ladies as well. But I think men for sure, I think we can only do the nurturing love because, because of the spirit of God. And that's what he's telling us. And in fact, Throughout the word of God, he continues to say, love each other. Now, why would he do that? Because we don't do it. That's why. He has to keep reminding us to love each other. Even as Christians, how many churches have you ever been into where they're fighting about something? They're bickering about something. Well, that's not love. That is not, that's not what, that's not agape love. That's not the nurturing type of a love that God wants us to do with each other. So he is telling us, he's reminding us here, above all, did you hear that? Above all. Now, now get this into context. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Well, that sounds like a whole different subject. He's in this next sentence. He says, above all, love each other deeply. Because love covers over a multitude of sins. 
What he is telling us here is because we are in the last days, and in fact, no matter what, no, and I've said this many, many times before, no matter what, you are in your last days. You've got, at the max, if you're young, if you're 10, 12, 15, 20 years, 25 years old, you at the max probably have another 70, 75 years to live, and that's if you live at the ripe old age of 95 or 100. Most of us know that the, most people may not live quite that long. And so I know my, myself, I'm not 25 years old. So my days for sure are short. I'm in my last days. There's no doubt about it. I've got 20, 25, maybe 30 years left if the Lord, if the Lord blesses that time. If he, if he tarries and decides not to come back, well, that means that my days are short. No matter what, your days are short. You are at the end of your days. And so while you live on this earth, above all, the most important thing you can do is to love each other deeply because it covers over a multitude of sins and it shows God's love. What are the most important commandments? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And the second is like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. So you see, loving people is the second most important commandment and you can only do that if you have the first commandment, if you have the love of God within you. And this agape love is, if you're a man, in my estimation, you can only have agape love through the power of the Holy Spirit because the nurturing type of love is not in me. It doesn't, it doesn't uh, come automatically. Well, Brother Ron. Pastor, since we're talking about the end days here, and you brought it up, the difference in love between a father and a mother, it's the difference between a nurturing love and more of an authoritative love. That's what men have because that's the role that they were, they were put in to have. And if you look at a situation like homosexuality, how unbiblical it is because you can't have two nurturing parents or two authoritative parents without having the other. It's almost like you would need a love triangle to make it even half work, which then we're just well, getting hey, it. I was going to say, don't. <laughs> then we're getting into a whole don't new get, ball Don't game get ahead here. of them here. <laughs> right. But, yeah, it's a perfect example of why homosexuality is unbiblical because you have to have the point, the love from both sides. I talked to a mother the other day that was distressed because her children pretty much grew up without a father and she couldn't understand why they were being rebellious. But then I pointed out to her, I said, look at their hearts. Their hearts are amazing. They're being rebellious in their physical life, but their hearts are amazing. And I had to, I had to make, help her see that her role in their lives, she did complete that. She was the nurturer. Their, their souls, their, their spirits, their, they were great at heart, but they were rebellious in their lifestyles. I said, that wasn't your role. Your role was to make them a good spirited, loving people. And they are that. But the father role was failed in their life because they didn't have a father on a regular basis. And that put her at peace because she realized she wasn't supposed to be that authoritative role in their lives. She did what she was supposed to. And the other half of the way they were supposed to be loved just wasn't there. So when she realized that, that she wasn't, biblically, she wasn't supposed to fill both roles, 
then it, it helped her out. But like we're talking about the love and the end days, if we look at 2 Timothy 3.2, there will be two, uh, uh, it actually starts at 3.1. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, and the most important one, without love. So if we look at these last days, people are losing the godly love that they need to have for for their fellow man. If we look at what's going on in society these days, people are attacking other people for no reason. And this is clarified in 2 Timothy 3.4. I read the first couple verses. It says they will become lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Now, we know that some people say, well, what about just good people? Why are they going to go to hell? Well, because in verse 5 of 2 Timothy 3, it says, they're having a form of godliness, but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. Those are the people that act godly, but because they don't have God in their lives, it's done in vain. So this love that we're talking about, the godly love, is what we have to share with everybody else. And people are just, they're losing, uh, which is said a lot, their first love, which is once you become a Christian, your first love is God. So this love that you have, where in verse, in First Peter 4, 8, where it says it covers a multitude of sins, they're talking about when you have love for somebody else, their sin you're not going to hold against them because of the love that you have for them. So your love doesn't cover up their sins, but it gives you a different perspective on how to treat them. You're not going to treat them like we were talking about a few days ago, waiting because you want the judgment to come on them. You're going to look past that with a godly love for what they can be, not what they are doing in their sin. Yeah, yes, so that's an excellent point in this, in this uh, scripture. It, it's an excellent uh, uh, example, of, and in fact, it's an excellent example of exegeting the scripture. So in other words, exegete is that big word we've talked about once before, where it basically means that the scripture explains itself, to whereas you can, it, it becomes its own study. So you can get in there and deeply, deeply study. And of course, you were talking about Second Timothy. I think you said First Timothy by by mistake, but I believe it's Second Timothy three. And uh, yes, that it's just such an excellent example that it said that um, people will be lovers of themselves and they deny the power. What is the thing that Peter says? Above all, love each other, not love yourself. But love each other, and so people will not know. Uh, everything will get discombobulated because all of a sudden they they don't understand the part the part about loving each other. They're too hung up on loving themselves, and I think that's a part of our chaos right now that that is absolutely unexplainable by the world standpoints. But I understand it, and you understand it, of course, as Christians, because the word says. That when people become lovers of themselves, just like it says here in Second Timothy, that's the godlessness in the last days. Now remember, again, as we study, we keep talking about the last days. I want you to begin to understand how far we are into the last days. 
And I, I don't mean chronologically speaking. I don't mean 2,000 years. I mean how far deep into the last days that is talked about in the Bible where this generation will not pass away. And you begin to look at the godlessness that we are seeing, the lawlessness that we are seeing, that is happening throughout the world. Now, this is not only in America. This is happening throughout the world. The European Union is falling apart. Why is it falling apart? Because it is lawless, because it is godless, and because there are uh, the um, cat um, and of course Catalina is a good example of that in Spain. They're they are divorcing themselves from Spain. Why? Because they don't want to be a part of the lawlessness any longer. And in fact, what's happening is the Antichrist is trying to completely rise, whoever that may be. We don't know exactly who that may be yet. Some people still say it's Barack Obama. Some pe- I heard another one say it was the Antichrist was coming out of Berlin, uh, Berlin. I've heard many, many things about where the Antichrist is going to come from. He's going to reveal himself soon enough. But until then, people are beginning to see the lawlessness and they don't want to be a part of it. The reason that Trump was elected is because most of America does not want the lawless society to continue but it is continuing, and really it's even ramping up because no one is paying attention to Donald Trump because he has the audacity to try to enforce the law. And in fact, he's being called evil because he's trying to enforce the law. And so the love of many is growing cold right now because of the lawlessness that abounds in the society of the Western nations. And here's the problem I have right now, Pastor, is where is the church? Where is the church right now in the middle of this? They have had 55 years to get prayer back in schools. Where's the church been? They've had 40 years to stop the butchering of children, but there's more butchering now than there was in the past. The church has had this whole time to fix it. If We outnumber those that would, well, I, I say we, self-proclaimed Christians, could shut this down in a heartbeat. We have a president that I believe would support it. Where Where is the church supporting our president to support us to get these laws revoked? Well, and then, then you also have that part where we've already discussed once before, uh, the only prayer I want back in school is the prayer to Yahweh through the blood of Jesus Christ. And our, our um, churches did not have the backbone to allow prayer not to be taken out in the first place, I don't believe there's any way that the churches are going to stand and say only Christian prayer is allowed in schools. That's most likely not going to happen because can you imagine the backlash when we get up and say we want prayer in school and the and the Islam and the Muslims get up and say, well, okay, then we can pray in school. And we say, no, the Christian prayer. We're going to pray to the one true God. We're not. We don't want Buddhists. We don't want Satan's Satanists. We don't want. Um, uh, Hindus, we're going to pray to the one true God. Can you imagine the backlash? Now, here's the thing. When we were praying in school, and when I was a kid, we were praying in school to the one true God. We were praying to Jesus. Well, that's not what's going to happen. When prayer gets back into school, it will be over all prayer to the great Poobah or whoever. It will not be to Yahweh. It will not not be to the one true God. It will not be to Jesus Christ. Well, and I think this goes back to what we were talking about a couple days ago, putting God in a box. The church has put God in a box because 
they're allowing society to create the box that they're keeping God in. Society says, well, you can't have prayer in school. So the, the church goes, well, I guess I got to keep God in that box until he decides to come out of it. Well, and, and the, the, the sad part is, is there was actually no recourse. There was no pushback at all. I mean, they came up and they said, well, you can't have prayer in school anymore. And they're like, well, okay. You know, there was no pushback. There was nothing. There, there was homosexual marriage. Well, oh, there was pushback on that for about a week. That was it. Now you don't hear anything else about it. The church is absolutely silent. The same with abortion. Anything else? Well, I guess that's what, I guess that's done then. We just, we just dust off our hands and, and keep on going. No, there's no pushback because there's no backbone. There's no boldness for Jesus in the church. And when you stand up as an evangelist or whatever and proclaim the boldness of Jesus, guess what? You're not going back to that church. If you don't get stopped mid, midway, which so far I have not been stopped midway, but I know that there were many churches I will not get to go back, I will not go back to, and there are many who will not ask me to come and speak to their congregation because they know that I'm going to speak about the boldness of Jesus Christ and I'm going to speak about the backbone of their pastor and I'm going to tell them to stand up for what Jesus told us to stand up for and that is proclaim the gospel because division is in the gospel. Now, you heard me. Wait a second. Division is in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, wait a minute, Rick. Come on. I thought it was unity. No, it is unity for all of those who will accept the message. But those who do not want Jesus, it is a dividing line. It will be a time when they have decided, no, 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 I don't want any of that. And they're rejecting Christ just like the Pharisees and the Sadducees did in the day of Jesus. And I think what really baffles me about the so-called church these days, both you and me, we live in in small cities. I'm talking populations under 1,500 people. In my city alone, we have four churches. And a lot of the people that I know go to one of the churches are administrators and teachers in the local high school. It confounds me why prayer is not back in at least that school. Because you've got supposed Christians working in a school, and they run the school, and they're not putting prayer back in the school. How does this not happen? I mean, their their pastor works at the school part-time, and yet there is no push to get prayer back in the schools. And what I, I questioned it this one time, and they go, well, if the children want to do it, we allow them. Well, that's great. Where are you encouraging them to do it? There's no leadership. There, there is no leadership. The so these let kids, the sheep lead the sheep. Right, and that's exactly what's happening. So these kids go to church on Sunday, hear one thing, and then they go to school, and they hear dead silence. And the thing that just to me, which I would love to go do, is question all the school buildings in in my city are all built by Freemasons. Right. Which means they're all dedicated to Satan. That's right. So, of course, unless the church basically tells the city, you need to remove these plaques, and they're right on the front of the building. You drive up to the building, here's a big Freemason logo on the side of the building. I bet 99.9% of the people that work there, along with the students, have no clue what that means, that that building was dedicated to Satan when it was built. 
And our children are walking into these satanic temples, and they don't even know it. If I were to go to the mayor and say, I want those removed, those are satanic logos, he would probably look at me dumbfounded. You're stirring up a hornet's nest now. Well, good. He can call me, and I'll <laughs> I'll talk to him about it. I mean, as far as with the Freemasons, because there are some probably listening to this program do not realize that Freemasonry is basically satanic worship. Well, and I will say, my grandfather, godly man, he was a Freemason. He did not know the extent of what they were. He was in it for the camaraderie. Right. He never got to the point of learning what their cult was. So I will say, I, I understand there are those out there that... Well, my father was in Freemasonry. He was a shrine... Uh, Scottish Rite and all that kind of right. stuff, and, and uh, until I explained to him what it really was, he didn't have he didn't know, right? Because the 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 lower part is just a club. Yes, the lower part is, but what unfortunately the lower part, the club that really probably doesn't have a clue, is supporting the upper echelon that does all of the all of the uh, the evil deeds, and so because of their funding and their money. Yeah, yeah, Masons do some great work. I mean, they have the children's hospital and they have all that kind of thing, and they do some great work. But you know what? So do atheists. There are atheists that do great work. There are Mormons that do great work. It doesn't make them saved. It just means they do good works. Good works do not get you in salvation in heaven. What gets you salvation in heaven is Jesus Christ. And in fact, once you start studying Freemasonry, you start understanding what they really stand on. It's like, well. Oh, wow. So until, like I said, until I had that discussion with my father, and I know that his brothers, I believe, were some, a lot of them were Masons, and I don't believe they're in hell because of that. Oh, I don't either. I know my grandfather. Yeah, my grandfather's in hell. Because they were godly men. Yeah. They didn't realize the extent of what they're doing. Listen, there, there are many things that can be done out of ignorance that you're going to have to answer for in, in heaven as a Christian. But it does not mean you're not saved. It does mean that there are some things that people are, have done out of ignorance that when they get there, God is going to re- lay that open as part of your judgment. But it's not a judgment of you're going to hell. It's your judgment of not receiving rewards um, because some of it's going to be out of ignorance. Now, there's some that is not ignorance. Well, some people say, well, what about somebody in deepest, darkest Africa that's never heard the name of Jesus? According to Romans chapter 1, supernaturally, everyone is going to hear that name before they die. And I think that means from from the beginning, actually the beginning of creation. Uh, number one, Jesus went to preach to the to the dead. And then after Jesus was born, supernaturally, according to Romans 1, everybody knows about God so that they will be without excuse. So that is what's happening on that, it's not my duty to try to worry about God's justification and His judgment. It is my duty to tell you to give you the, what is going on, just like what we were doing with Halloween, just like with this Freemasonry or anything else. It is my duty to explain to you that you need to study and look into this if you're involved with any of this. That you need to study and look into it and make sure you have all of the information. Because chances are you don't. And if you will look at what Freemasons do, it's an Eastern religion. I mean, think about the hats they wear. Think about the Shriners. Think about all of what uh, of the uh, symbolism that they use. It is an, an Eastern religion, Islam. It really comes from Islam. And, and actually, even before that. But, I mean, it's a part of all of that. So there is so much of that that people do not realize because of their ignorance, they're not looking 
They don't want to find it. I think that's the bottom line. You don't want to find it. You don't want to find out about Halloween because it messes up your, your quote-unquote holiday, which is not a holy day at all. Uh, and you don't want to mess up your clubs, whether it be the Elks Lodge, the Moose Lodge, or anything else. You are now worshiping another entity other than Christ. When I One time I went to a friend's wedding, and they were at the Elks Lodge. I had no idea. And at 11 o'clock or midnight, I don't remember what time it was, they have a secret ritual that they said they don't usually allow any outsiders to be a part of. But since we were there and there was a family or whatever that was belonging to that Elks Lodge, they were going to do that. They were praying to the Great Elk. Yes, I, I said that. They were praying to the Great Elk. And I'm like, huh? Wait a minute. Now, I had no idea that was anything about the Elks Lodge. I was thinking, okay, the Elks Lodge is just a little club. They come together, you know, they go elk hunting or something. I they're praying to the great elk. And I'm like, okay. So I started looking into a lot of those different societies and anything done in secret, according to the word, if it has to be done in secret, is against God. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We stirred up enough nests uh, for today. Thank you for listening to the broadcast. Given you all, we've given you all a lot of things to think about today. Until next time, I pray you receive his gospel power today. My life was flying by. I always wondered why. I was so empty deep within. But then you came to me and let my spirit see. Show